Resterney Radio presents Genesis, Volume 1 of Commentaries on the Pentateuch by Rusus John Resterney, narrated by Jeremy Walker, produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 6 The Test Genesis 2, 8-25 And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first was Pison, that is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, there is Bedlam, and the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gion. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia, and the name of the third river is Hedekel, that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man, and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Genesis 2, 8-25 We cannot understand the meaning of the Garden of Eden unless we see it as a pilot project where God placed the man to test him and to enable man to acquire the skills of dominion. Man was created sinless, but not perfect or mature. He was created to exercise dominion and to subdue the earth and to make it God's fruitful kingdom. Out of the glory of the newly created earth, one area was set aside and somehow fenced or separated to make it a pilot project. Man was there to learn how to exercise dominion. The location of this garden is unknown to us. The geography of the earth was radically altered by the flood. Old names were reused, but the topography was not changed. Man was sinless, but untainted and untooled. He was also naked. His task was to till the soil and prune the fruit trees of the garden and to name the animals, a scientific task, since naming in the Bible means accurate description or classification. Adam's task was a great one. He did have an unfallen nature, 
so that his mind was much more capable than our fallen minds. Our redemption begins our restoration, which heaven completes. Adam had a problem. Eden had wild animals, great and small. These would quickly reduce the fruit trees and vegetable gardens to nothing, so fencing of some sort was necessary. But Adam was naked and without tools. His task was a heavy one, but somehow he accomplished something. He was naked and had no shelter. According to verse 6, a very heavy dew watered the earth nightly. This made it difficult and unpleasant for a very tired naked man to rest at night. Thus it was urgently necessary for Adam to build some kind of primitive shelter, probably a lean-to for sleeping purposes. Clearly, Adam's life was one of hard work. Clearly, Adam's life was one of hard work. God was testing him to enable man to learn how to use his abilities and to exercise dominion in a hard, primitive sense. To do so required knowledge. To do his job faithfully meant obeying God and recognizing the righteousness or justice of God's plan. All this meant a radical separation unto God and his calling. This was Adam's holiness. From the first day, man had a choice. He could obey or disobey God. If he took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, verse 17, it meant death. Eat of it, ye shall die, Adam was told. The process of death would begin in him. He could serve God, or Adam could seek freedom from God. The Garden of Eden was a pilot project in how man was to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion over it. Man began his life naked, with no shelter and with no tools. His task was to develop the earth and to create wealth. There are three ways that men can gain wealth. First, they can inherit it. Adam had inherited from God, on a trial basis, a magnificent property, far more beautiful and rich than any man's estate since then. Adam was an heir. Second, wealth can be created by intelligence and work. Adam had to use his mind to make tools, fencing, and other things to protect the garden. The animals were not yet fallen, but they were animals, and they could turn the orchards and garden easily and quickly into a shamble. We can safely assume that more than once they broke through Adam's barricades and destroyed things. There was no sin in Adam's world, but there was hard, hard work. Third, wealth can be gained by theft, and this is the most popular method. It is applied in common thievery and also in socialistic schemes to take from one to give to others. Theft is an avoidance of work. Its premise is, I have a right to these things, or... I deserve them more than the possessors do. Theft is a quick means to wealth. It is, however, destructive of both the thief and society. Instead of creating wealth, theft destroys it. Theft is more than a transfer of wealth. It is an attack on the legitimate means of gaining wealth, i.e., inheritance and work. By various means, including taxation, both inheritance and work are curtailed and damaged. But theft offers itself as a shortcut to wealth. It seeks to base the good society on expropriation, not inheritance and work. James the Council of Jerusalem declared, quote, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Unquote. Acts 15.18 God ordained that man, from Eden onward, face the alternatives for gaining wealth 
inheritance in work, or theft. Man has always had a choice. We are told that the various areas of the Garden of Eden were rich in a variety of gemstones and also in gold. Verse 11. God had provided man with all the ingredients for a rich life, but he had also made work mandatory to the legitimate gaining of wealth. Life was sinless in Eden, but not easy. To be naked and shoeless on rough ground is not easy. To work with trees, shrubs, and vegetation with no productive clothing means scratches and bruises. Adam's first priority was tools. In Genesis 4.22, we are told of Tabal Cain, who worked in bronze and iron. This was not too many generations after Adam, and tool-making apparently began in Adam's lifetime, although we cannot be sure. Adam did live 930 years, Genesis 5.5, so that he most likely lived to see the primitive technology he developed in Eden mature and become highly advanced. Then a point was reached when God gave a wife to Adam, Eve, verse 18 through 25. She was to be his helpmeet in his calling. This was a joy to Adam. We can safely assume that it added to his work. The first night together, when Adam led Eve to his lean-to shelter, she probably looked at it and said, Adam, this will never do. This meant more work for Adam, again with severe limitations. Rightly, of course, a good shelter against the heavy nightly dew was a necessity. We are not told how long a time elapsed from creation to the fall. We should assume a substantial lapse of time, since all of Adam's task, classifying the animals, caring for the garden, and developing tools, all took time and required years to accomplish. These were years of hard work. This helps us to understand why Adam was receptive to temptation an idealistic shortcut to wealth and power was appealing to the hard-working man and no less appealing to Eve, whose duties were not simple ones given the severe limitations of their primitive conditions. Adam and Eve were not fallen, but they were capable of sinning. The key sin would be shortcut to wealth and power. Even as God, by his fiat word, had created all things, perhaps man as God's image-bearer, could, by his own fiat word, bypass inheritance and work to create wealth. This makes clear why Eden was a pilot project. The problem man faced there is with us still, but with a difference. First, Adam was not fallen, and we are born sinners. We are seriously handicapped. Second, we have an advantage over Adam in knowing of his failure and of being a new creation in Christ. Our kingdom work is thus on a different basis and with a sure hope.